निरंजनमृतविग्रह वै ईशावतारमेशमिड्यम तम रामकृष्ण शिसा नमा जननी सारदा देवी रामकृष्ण जगद्गु पादपद्मीतोवा प्रणमा मुहुर्मुहु नमस्तिराजाय विवेकानंदसूर सच्चिदुखस्वूपाय स्वामी तापहारिणे सुना वी विल कंटिन्यू विथ अ स्टडी ऑफ स्वामी विवेकानंद कर्म योग द लास्ट क्लास वी हैव स्टार्टेड स्टडिंग द थर्ड चैप्टर द सीक्रेट ऑफ वर्क so where we find in the very inception of the chapter in the very beginning of the chapter swami ji starts with the idea of three types of help physical intellectual spiritual so the spiritual help is the highest type of help next comes the intellectual and the last which is the most prevailed practice is the physical the physical help does serve a purpose but it is very short term its effect is very short term the example which we were giving that if you feed a hungry person his hunger is appeased just for the timing but intellectual help if i can teach him agriculture cultivation then that person for that person the hunger is appeased forever so to make man stands on his own fit is a greater help than the mere physical help it's even greater than giving life saving the life it's even greater than that because you are helping that person to stand on his his or her own fit and pursue his life journey without seeking the help of others so that's a greater help but why what if it happens so that our the faculty of want itself is removed that it is out of want we go out for uh, fulfilling our desires for fulfilling our needs if the faculty of want is taken care of that's the thing which has been spoken of by swami ji as the spiritual when i can become just aware of my real nature and i just witness the activities that are going on with a sense of neither seek nor avoid whatever responsibilities i have i do it i am stationed in a particular phase of life i take care of the responsibilities but with a witness attitude if i can get established in that type of spiritual awareness then we will find that the life is in no way disturbing me 
is in no way becoming the cause of my turmoil, of my distress. I can transcend them. It's not that they are not there. They still continue to exist. The polarities of life, the happiness, the sorrow, the misery, the challenges, everything exists. But I transcend them. I just uh, have that attitude of the witness. And with that, I continue my life without getting distressed by all the happenings of life. That's the uh, evolution to the spiritual awareness. The one who can help us to get established in that type of awareness is the one who is giving the highest help to the mankind, is the highest benefactor of mankind. So that's the idea which we found Swamiji was discussing in the very first phase of the talk, the secret of work. So he will still continue with that idea. Uh, uh, and then we will find that how actually uh, developing awareness is something more essential than just uh, helping others physically. That how it's the other dimensions are there. That actually physical help is no help. Sometimes we will find unless the awareness grows. In the modern uh, sociology, there's a term that all social reformation should be from bottom to top, not from top to bottom. What it has to do with the intellectual help, with the spiritual help that Swamiji will uh, take up as he proceeds uh, in the next part of the lecture. So we will uh, refer to the text uh, and then uh, we will read out and go to the necessary explanation of it. So this is the paragraph from where we are going to start today. The miseries of the world cannot be cured by physical help only. Until man's nature changes, these physical needs will always arise and miseries will always be felt. And no amount of physical help will cure them completely. The only solution of this problem is to make mankind pure. Ignorance is the mother of all evil and all the misery we see. Let men have light, let them be pure and spiritually strong and educated. Then alone will misery cease in the world, not before. So sometimes we may think that Swamiji is most probably speaking too abstract. What it has to do with a spiritual help when people are hungry, when people are just not having the access to the basic amenities of life. What can spiritual help do for such a person? As Swamiji himself, we will find uh, when he visited Chicago, in his second, third lecture, he was stressing that point that in India, people in the pre-independence time, they were going hungry and you are coming to preach religion to them. It's an insult to the mankind to preach religion to a hungry person. So with that, we find as if it's a contrast. Here Swamiji is saying that physical help sometimes may find, we may find is of no avail unless they are uh, 
they, they evolve intellectually and spiritually. What actually he's indicating? We'll find a very interesting thing. In this world, that whenever we find there are certain evils and we try to eradicate it by trying to uh, reform from the top to bottom, from the administration level, some laws are there, some rules, regulations are there to restrict our activities so that we need not go to some activities which proves to be disintegrating to the society, to the individual. So there are some laws, but does it really help us? That's the type of physical measures we are taking. Does it really help us? We'll take yet try to have an example that why that ignorance is the mother of all evil and all misery we see. Let men have light, let them be pure and spiritually strong and educated. Then alone will misery cease in the world, not before. I will give a very specific example. You know, in the uh, when the drug addiction was becoming rampant, and in all the European countries, when they found that the, in the open market the drugs are being sold, so they just banned the sale of drugs in the open market because it was entailing in all sorts of addiction. So it was banned. So it was some measure, a physical measure taken with the help of the law, they tried to ban it so that people will not avail to the drugs and that way most probably the evil will be eradicated. But what happened very quickly, it didn't take even a month, within a few months, it was found that though in the open market selling of drug was not allowed, it was restricted. It started, the, the, the drugs, the need of the drug was already there in the society. There were so many addicts. So the need forced them, that want forced them to smuggle. The mafia came into existence. The drugs were smuggled. When there was an attempt to restrict that, there were a lot of killings. All sorts of social disruptions started, complications started in the society when the ban was imposed. And now we find that the government gradually started realizing that however we may try to impose, it's not going to have any solution. The problem will find expression in some other way. So what's the next step they took? That okay, we need not uh, just think of banning. We will have some regulations, but we are not too specific about it. Our main intention now should be what? Let us try to create awareness among the young generation, especially the students in the schools and the colleges. The government uh, sp has started spending sufficient amount of their fund. They were allocating sufficient amount of, of fund for conducting these awareness camps in schools and colleges to explain the students the ill effect of drug, the ill effect of tobacco. And they started founding, it actually really worked. Now gradually they found that they can have to certain extent control over the society. What has happened? Though it took some time, they found that the drug market is falling. Wow, what has happened? That ignorance is the mother of all evil. 
once you grow to the schools, the colleges, and try to develop the awareness that the evil effects of the drugs, then what happens? The students themselves won't resort to the drug addiction. They are now aware. And now, if the customers are not there, you need, there is no need for the police, for the law to restrict the drug market. If the customers are not there, the market falls by itself. And that's what started happening. And then you will find that all the physical measures which were taken was actually resulted in some complication. So in society, in, for any problem, for the terrorist problem, you will find that the main reason behind terrorism is ignorance. If instead of encountering the terrorist, that sometimes is required, but that's not the be all and end all of all the measures that a administration can take. There should be some uh, provision for enlightening those people that this is not a way of life. That this is not a way of life. This, is the, this doesn't entail any sort of religious belief. No, there is no religion which actually prescribes that. And to uh, make them aware of the religion, their main religious belief, make and to educate them. Sometimes we find that the people who have no resort to any other means of existence, at last, out of despair, go for some terrorism. If some knowledge, uh, if some avenues for technical knowledge is opened up to them, so that they can earn their living in some any productive way, then all those things starts falling off. Just simply by taking military action, we can never stop that. The problem will go on increasing. So the physical measure you will find always is actually not the ultimate help. Sometimes it is no help at all. The main help comes by trying to remove the ignorance, by making the people aware and by helping them to grow morally, spiritually strong. So this is reformation from bottom to top. If the, each and every member of the society is an evolved person, there is no need for any police or any law to control the wrongdoings because there is no one to do that. So the, all the real uh, reformation should be from bottom to top, not from top to bottom. And that's the idea which you find very nicely explained by Swamiji in this lines. The only solution of this problem is to make mankind pure. Ignorance is the mother of all the evil and all misery we see. Let men have light, let them be pure and spiritually strong and educated. Then alone will misery cease in the world, not before. If you find every interesting thing, if you just read the history of the last 100 years or at the most 200 years, you will find various isms started that has been propounded. Socialism, communism, and they have been well experimented. And you find one after other, there are a lot of failures. And now the question comes, are all the isms ideally imperfect? No. Ideally, all those isms are perfect. What has happened, the problem is not with the ism. The problem is with the human who are supposed to implement that ism. You will find 
that they that is that uh, there is a famous quotation that that we the human can make hell out of heaven and heaven out of hell any isms are ideally perfect but we as human are not yet quite reformed quite well trained to uh, get rid of the lures to not get tempted by the lures when we are in power and thus we find the one who was supposed to implement himself or herself has become the instrument of all sorts of evils in spite of the ism the ism in no way can be implemented unless the human is reformed so you will find it again here it's a question from bottom to top reformation that no ism can help a human being unless the human himself is reformed no reformation can come unless the human being is reformed and that speaks of the awareness that speaks of the education that speaks of the purity which swamiji is speaking of in bengali they say there is a shosher bhitore bhut means uh, in the olden days uh, when they used to believe that some people has been possessed by some ghost or by some evil spirit the exorcist will come and the exorcist used to use a bunch of the master plan master seed plants that that they will use that to uh, get rid of the ghost now sometimes they found that in spite of all those efforts the ghost they couldn't get rid of the evil spirit and jokingly they used to say how can they get rid the thing which they're using to get rid of the evil spirit that is that the bunch of that master cereals the the plant which they're using in that the ghost has entered the thing which is used for cleansing in that the ghost has entered so that's the thing swamiji is saying that all the isms all the process of cleansing doesn't uh, sometimes work out it is not because the ism itself is ideally not perfect it's ideally perfect the one who is going to implement that he, that needs the reformation the person needs the reformation so first that's the thing has to be done the ignorance let us try to work from the core from the grassroots level from each and every individual the process may be a bit slow but that is a very sure process that alone can uh, really bring some reformation in the world otherwise all those physical implementation in no way can help us even for the physical help in the last class also you were indicating that swamiji told in one place that if you provide a village with the all the resource of the world as they are poor so you provide them with all the resource after some time you will find the resource has been exhausted but not the want now the people again will extend their hand so what has happened i have not trained them to really uh, you create the resource they are just depending on it and that's how what happens the physical help is of no avail unless they are educated they are trained to become self reliant so that's a wonderful idea swamiji in this few lines is trying to explain we may convert every house in the country into a charity into a charity asylum we may fill the land with hospitals but the misery of man will still continue to exist until man's character changes it's very interesting even in australia where we find that is quite affluent country 
still we find there are a lot of charity asylums. There are various religious organizations running charities. And my eye was open when I was really taken to some one of those two charities where the charity where they're giving free food. It's really a very pathetic condition that in this affluent country, why there is need for charity, you will find. Yes, the 80% of those who are availing those charity are addicts. Actually, there was no need. The addiction has taken them down to that type of state of existence. So now that charity do really, does it really help? It somehow what is happening that you cannot, that those people cannot get rid of that addiction. This charity is actually to certain extent becomes an encouragement to get some free meal without reforming their, reforming themselves. So it's not that the charity should be discouraged. It should be there, but hand in hand, there should be enough prov this, uh, provision for again, reforming those people, just reforming their character, that those, those who, that it is their uh, ill fate that they have fallen into that type of misery, that society should be compassionate enough to again bring them back to their fold by trying to rehabilitate them. That rehabilitation becomes the primary uh, reformation than just simply charity. If we just give charity, we will find actually it becomes sometimes an encouragement for all social laxity. If you go to the hospital, now this hospital, you may say it is a genuine service, but there also, now uh, we will find, especially in India, where the, the poor country, where the hospital expense is very high, you will find many really uh, uh, the, uh, doctors, those who have really good intentions, they're giving more stress to the lifestyle. That why you have to go to the hospital and then avail all those uh, expensive uh, treatment, which is in no way going to really cure you. They are just a uh, meshwork of patches. Just in some way, they try to patch out one of your symptoms. It finds expression in some other way. The real problem was not in the, that the, that the disease has to be cured. The main problem was it is a lifestyle which has created those diseases. So again, the question of awareness comes. So mostly we are hospitalized because of the because of our lifestyle in the modern days. We are ignorant about the way of living. If we are educated in that way, and there are many bits you will find well-intended persons throughout the world that they are out there to help mankind to develop that awareness that how we can avert going to the hospital. So hospital is the thing which is required. But it is the last option where we have not availed to that awareness. We, have, we are not sufficiently aware of taking care of our well-being by just having some minor lifestyle changes, just having a healthy lifestyle. So you will find everywhere it is actually the awareness which is the main clue for our happiness. So it's not the physical health, the charity, the hospitals, they are the last resort. They have some, they have some short term effect. They can never have any long term effect. So that's what Swamiji is saying, saying that we may convert every house in the country into a charity asylum. 
We will fill the land with hospitals, but the misery of man will still continue to exist until man's character changes. We read in the Bhagavad Gita again and again that we must all work incessantly. All work is by nature composed of good and evil. So here Swamiji is bringing another idea that however we may try to do some good work, you will find that every work is mixed with that good, with the good, some evil is there, evil factor is there. However we may try, we can, with all our good intentions, we can never really do the good to the society. In some way or other, the evil effect is bound to, find, bound to come. Then what's the way out that Swamiji will be speaking gradually? All work is by nature composed of good and evil. We cannot do any work which will not do some good somewhere. There cannot be any work which will not cause some harm somewhere. So again we find, is it really true? We'll give some examples. Hygiene is a very good thing. Here uh, in the Western world, in Australia, we find that how from the school, for a small child, how nicely they're groomed, that's where the hygienic habits are concerned. It's, we will of course say there is nothing evil coming out of it. What is the evil coming out of it? Is there any evil? Yes. When we become too particular about the hygiene, you have heard nowadays that this anaphylaxis, that is from the peanut to that allergy, these allergies have now become rampant. So many types of allergies are there. And now they're finding out is some very wonderful thing. That as this child from, the from his very infancy was never allowed to be exposed to the external environment, was always kept in some ideal hygienic environment. Its immunity never grew properly. It's always that exposure to the, uh, some to certain extents to the dirt, to some uh, uh, these pa pathogens is good. You will find when the child goes to the childcare center, comes back with a cough and cold and we get too much aware. But we don't realize that that exposure is good. Though he is getting fever, cough and cold, but that in that process, the child is developing immunity. Now, when we keep him too much encapsulated with all the good intentions, what happen? We find that our immune system becomes too weak. I'm just giving this one, there are so many examples we will come that all our good intentions, uh, we will find that those who were uh, born and brought up in India, now for work, they came to Australia. After spending five or 10 years, when they go back to India, very easily they fall ill. What has happened in spite of this good environment with all the good intention, intentions, which has been nicely maintained, we have lost the immunity. So there cannot be any pure, perfect good in this world. To give speak of the culture, if you read the history, you will find that whenever there was an attack on some culture by some external element, it is always a civilization which has grown in culture, which has gradually grown in their, uh, what you say, their intellectual uh, pursuits, in their social uh, commitments. Suddenly they are attacked by some barbarians. Throughout the history it has happened. 
that when you're growing culturally, then what happens? Your physical aspect becomes very weak. You, you are no more aware that any this external attack can happen because all we are now that most of the people are very cooperative, socially uh, cohesive. So the question of aggression that has gone out of your psyche and suddenly they find from nowhere it, the, they have been attacked by the barbarians who have no culture. And in spite of all the culture, suddenly you find that some uh, the one who are very crude, who are not cultured, they come and they prevail over the society. So what has happened in your attempt to develop culturally, you become so physically weak that you cannot protect yourself throughout the history it has happened again and again with all your intentions that to be aggressive is not good. But again, that this all with all these good intentions, the more we become cultured, the more you become exposed to all sorts of barbarians. So it has happened. This all the drugs from where it came, all the drugs which we find is this all the addictions, they were actually in the market for some good intention. They're all actually therapeutic. For uh, most of them are the painkillers. Uh, they're used by the uh, medical science. When, it, when used in proper proportion, they have some therapeutic effect. So with the good intention, they were brought in the market. And now what has happened? You find that that has become the cause of all the drug addictions. Yes, we are saying that you cannot do in this world a single good act without creating some evil somewhere. When in the, you know, in the last centuries, in the previous, in the, throughout the history of the mankind, these all pandemics was a, were a big problem, infections. And in the last century, the antibiotics came into picture. This was the penicillin was discovered. And we thought now we have got control over the pathogens. And you, now you will find that they have developed is they're now resistant to all the antibiotics. In hospital, a huge number of patients die every year because there is no antibiotic to restrict their infections. That, that the, uh, all that the infection, the bacteria, the pathogens have become resistant to all the antibiotics. So you will find that in our attempt to get rid of the disease, we have made it more complicated. Everywhere you will find the industrialization was there. For the last century with the industrialization, we thought that now the happiness is something which is exponentially growing. We are getting rid of all the so-called uh, the challenges of life. The life is becoming more, uh, uh, what you say that affluent, more comfortable. And now you will find that we are growing, we are almost in the verge of extinction because of the climate change, which is the product of industrialization. So now it's a big question. Can we really do good to the world? Ramakrishna used to say a very interesting thing, that this world is a dog's curly tail. You can never straighten it. You can you try to straighten it as long as you hold it, it is straight. The moment you leave it, it is again curled. Uh, we will come to it. 
So then the, then the question comes, should we not try to straighten it? Ramakrishna says a wonderful, he's a, he's a master of this uh, lot of analogies. So he will just speak of a parable, a wonderful parable through which he speaks that in spite of the fact that we cannot straighten the curly tail of the dog, we should go on attempting it. All the good work should go on. Why? Because at last it will bring detachment, the spiritual detachment which is required in you. So he used to say you can never straighten the curly tail, but you should go on trying it so that at last you get straightened. The, a curly tail never gets straightened. The story goes like this, that a man was in search of a ghost who will work for him. That a ghost, whatever he orders, he will do it for him. So his life becomes easy. So at last he was, he found a person who can deliver such a ghost. He went to him and asked, can you deliver me such a ghost who will work for me? So that person told, yes, I can. I do have that uh, miraculous power. I have the supernatural power. I can deliver a ghost to you who will work under you. But there's one condition. This ghost is extremely energetic. It always needs some work. If it's without work for a moment, it will harm you. It will just come and break your neck. So you have to give work constantly. That man thought it's an easy thing to give work. There are so many things to do. So yeah, yeah, that's a very easy thing. I can, I can of course help you. I can almost give him a work always. So please help me by getting the ghost. So the ghost was delivered. Now immediately he was asking for work. First he told of the some small household activities, clean the house, uh, go to the uh, market, uh, get uh, do the shopping. Any, anything he asks is instantly done. Well, it's done. Next, next what I have to do. Then he said, oh, well, he's so efficient. Then he went to the nearby place, which a land which was a, just a forest, a jungle. It was a huge, quite a, a sprawling land of few acres. He told, clean it. It was cleaned again in a moment. Build houses, build palaces. Built, everything was built in a moment. And now gradually started finding that it is almost impossible to keep him engaged. Everything he does instantly. So now he was thinking what to give him next. And he found that the moment he was just has paused a bit, the ghost is rushing towards him to kill him. Now the, the person was scared. He started running in search of the person who delivered him the ghost. He reached him and at last he told him, I'm in great danger. And he was told, what? Well, now I cannot give him any work. He's going to kill me. And I have told you previously, it's you who have insisted. That's why I gave you that ghost. Although well, I never realized that he will do everything so quickly. So what can I do now? Then the one who delivered the ghost, he gave him a very nice advice. He told, see, there's a dog lazily lying there outside. You take his sword, cut its tail, and give the tail to the ghost. Give the tail to the ghost and ask him to straighten it. Now, for the first time, the person saw that the ghost is trying something very patiently. He tried to straighten it. The moment it was released, it again got curled. It went on trying. It could never straighten it. At last, the ghost came and kneeled down in front of the person and begged, please release me. I won't harm you. Please release me. 
So there ends the story. Now Ramakrishna says that we are that ghost. At last, in our attempt to straighten the tail, we can never straighten it. At last, what will happen? We will ask to be delivered. Please release me. I, it's enough. I cannot do it. It is impossible. So please relieve me. So you get straightened. What's the idea? It will come. We'll come to this discussion. Was just we are discussing this analogy. This uh, parable has really a very very subtle implication. In the life, we are always asked to do good. But again, we find that the good ultimately has. Uh, 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 we can never do I mean, pure good ultimately in the society. In some form or other, we will find the evil is finding expression. As Swami Vivekananda used to say that the world is a rheumatic patient. For a rheumatic patient, if uh, the patient is having pain in the knees and ask someone to massage the, that uh, place, that you please massage the knees, after some time the pain may not be there in the knees, but most probably it has transferred to the ankle. That's what happens with the rheumatic patient. So Swamiji used to say that in all our attempt to get rid of the evils, you will find that it only changes its nature. We can never get rid of it. Uh, so it constantly goes on. We found that very interesting thing uh, that so many things we told him in another example uh, about the communism. Very interesting that the, the, all the good intentions to remove all the uh, distinctions, all the uh, hierarchy in society, that movement was there. And at last, now in the history shows what has happened, that only the roles have changed. Still, the anarchy is going on, the torture is going on. What is, what is the way? That is very nice example is given. That previously the landlord was sitting on the horse and the daily laborer, wage worker, he was standing on the ground and the landlord was whipping the, this, the slave or the daily wage worker. And now after the revolution, we find the horse is still there and the slave is still there. The landlord is still there. Only the roles have changed. Now the slave is sitting on the top of the horse. The landlord is sitting, standing on the ground and it is the so-called daily wage worker who is whipping the landlord. So all our attempt at last has ended up in just change of the roles. The real change has not happened. So everywhere we find with all the good intentions, the real thing is not happening. So that's a wonderful thing, which you will find in the world. You just unbiasedly study the history constantly it is happening. For centuries together, we are trying to reform the world. We find that with all our good intentions, the evil is finding expression in some other way and it will go on. So, but still Ramakrishna is saying that you try to do it, though you won't get any ultimate result, we should try to do it. It will help us spiritually. How? Two things. That if you once, when I'm trying to do good, if I have the idea that ultimately uh, this good is not something which will go on increasing and evil will be reducing, it will never happen. If I have that idea, the first thing that will happen, it will not make us fanatic. In this world, fanaticism is not only in religion. In our day-to-day -day activity, in all the isms also, you will find the fanaticism is there. Why? 
because anyone who believes in particular ism thinks that this ism is going to bring heaven in this world that is their belief and that makes them fanatic whenever they find that it is not happening they immediately will be just finding out the cause that all those persons who don't believe in this ism are the cause of uh, not the, the thing not materializing and this fanaticism grows up into all sorts of fights in the society the fanaticism results in all sorts of violence so first thing that happens the fanaticism won't come you know the nature of the world is such that evil will find expression in some other way but let me try to do good then the next thing which uh, comes out of it is very interesting that if you try to do good and at last you find that really the good is not happening somewhere other the evil comes up at last we all develop that sense of surrender it comes it is bound to come and then the spiritual journey starts but it can never happen with the evil why you know if a person resorts to evil act, act like if the one is resort to theft to some other uh, socially uh, criminal activities at last they will end up in some jail where they will constantly feel that it is my actions which have resulted in my misery but for a good person that conviction is always there that i have not done no harm to to anyone but why i am suffering that big question comes and that actually helps him to deliver out from all sorts of activities to that self purification that we can get nothing out of this world however we may try that there is some way out which is not this world this world is just a preparatory ground it is a gymnasium it is not the ultimate place where we are going to stay forever it is just a passing phase where we have to work out and this working out will give us at last that sense of surrender and from that that spirituality will ensue so this idea is something very wonderful which swami ji is gradually trying to bring out through this lecture so here he is when he is saying this thing it is not pessimism it is actually gradually pointing to that optimism of spirituality that all work by nature is composed of good and evil even in bhagavad gita we will find in the 18th chapter there is a shloka anishtam ishtam misram cha is the 12th shloka of the last chapter the 18th chapter anishtam ishtam misram cha trividham karmana phalam that good evil and mixed there are some actions which is neither good uh, which, which is not purely good not purely bad it's mixed most of the actions are like that so these are the three types of actions if for the good action i am going to get the good result for bad i am going to get the bad result for the mixed i am going to get the mixed result now the next line is important bhavatyatyaginam pratyya na sanyasinam kochit now all these results who accrue bhavati atyaginam the one who is atyagi means one who has not renounced one who is not detached from the personal rewards he is always accepting the personal reward that i have done good the good has to come out of it they are all bound to be bound by the results of that action but the one who is doing with a sense that i am just a traveler i have certain responsibilities being a traveler 
I seek not, I avoid not, I go through them in a detached way. That is the sannyasi, that samyak nyasa, in totally he has renounced, not the action, the results of the action, no expectation. That is the sannyasi, samyak nyasa is sannyasa. But for sannyasi, the one who has renounced totally the fruits of the actions, for him, these three, ishta, anishta, misra, has no effect on him. It actually, all those actions helps to evolve spiritually, if you can do it with a detached sense. So that's the idea in the Bhagavad Gita, which Swamiji is bringing in his lecture and uh, elucidating it in a wonderful way. All work is by nature, composed of good and evil. We cannot do any work which will not do some good somewhere. There cannot be any work which will not cause some harm somewhere. Every work must necessarily be a mixture of good and evil. Yet we are commanded to work incessantly. So here, that though the dog's curlitle cannot be straightened, but we are asked to still go on working. Why? Good and evil will both have their results, will produce their karma. Good action will entail upon us good effect, bad action bad, but good and bad are both bondages of the soul. The solution reached in the Gita regarding this bondage producing nature of work is that if we do not attach ourselves to the work, we do. It will not have any binding effect on our soul. So that's the thing that if you're detached, that sannyasi, if you are atyagi, tyagi means was renounced, atyagi means one who is not renounced, bhavati atyagi, if we are too attached to the results of our actions, we are bound to act through the three types of results, Ishta, Anishta, Misra. Uh, this Ishta, Anishta, Misra is a very interesting idea. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the more we go to the uh, deep into this subject, the more we find it so interesting that in this life, what is Ishta? Anything which uh, helps us to maintain the social welfare, we consider it is good. Where which whatever of the actions results in social disruption is considered as anishta. Now this how, what, how this ishta anishta misra uh, really uh, works in this society. So now just consider a situation that you want to go to the CBD in the morning at particular hour you have to reach there. Now, there are two things, my own interest and the interest of the entire society. These two we will find is clashing. How? I am in a hurry. I have to reach, I have to reach the CBD at a particular time and I find that there are signals. The green signal is there, the red signal is there. I want all the signals to be green, isn't it? I want all the signals, but what happens? I find sometimes red, sometimes green. Uh, please mute yourself. Some sign is coming. So, so, what is happening? That my individual interest always is clashing with the collective interest. Now, to take care of the collective interest, there are the signals. The red signals are there, the green signals are there. To take care, the individual interest shouldn't prevail over the collective interest. So, as long as I follow that, I follow that rules which has been in, uh, imposed. I don't lose my points. It is all good karma. 
But if I intentionally break them, I will lose my points. That is evil karma. And most of the time, sometimes what happens, we don't intend to overrule the signals. But in hurry, it happens. And then it becomes misra. You do lose, with all good intentions, you lose some points because your personal interest somehow tries to prevail over the collective interest. It's constantly happening. So this ishta, anishta, misra, the wonderful example in India you will find that if you leave it to the hand of nature, there is some traffic control there, you know. Very interesting thing that we, when a child is to be, has to be born, the parent is expecting a child, they don't know whether it is going to be a boy or a girl. But if you leave it to the hand of nature, a wonderful thing happens that we sometimes don't believe in God. But can you explain how it happens if you leave it to the hand of nature, which is something random. But if you take the society as a whole, the ratio of male and female is always same. If you leave it in the hand of nature, isn't it something wonderful? It's something random, but somehow overall nature, if you take a society, you take, it is always same. But in India, we find that certain in certain region, there is that always that expectation for the male child. And with the availing the modern medical scanning system, sometimes you know that a lot of this killing of the uh, child in the, uh, what you say, in the, uh, when, they, when still in the, is to be born, is the killings are going on that they can only have the male child. And now you find the ratio has been totally disturbed. It's, so there are some villages that are only male child. What has happened? My personal interest has prevailed over the collective interest, which is already very nicely balanced by the nature, by God or nature, whatever you may say. There is a wonderful traffic there. Signals are there. So we have disrupted and now this is evil. This has now disrupted the total system. So now you will understand that what is Ishta, what is Yanishta, is Misra. So whenever I am, my personal interest is being curbed by the collective interest, it is all good. But whenever my personal interest simply try to stamp over the collective interest, it is evil. So in this life, always to keep this in balance is what this good and bad is. So that's what in the Bhagavad Gita very nicely it has been told. That, but what happens that as in our day-to-day -day life, we find that in spite of our intention to maintain the, uh, keep the social balance uh, in equilibrium, our personal interest sometimes almost unknowingly force us to do something wrong. So that creates the misra, that combination of good and bad. So this is, which is bound to happen. So now in Bhagavad Gita, what they're saying that we cannot avoid that. So what we have to do as we have to act, to try to get rid of this expectations too much. The more we get rid of the expectations, the more the results of the karma loses its hold on me. So that's what Swamiji is saying here. The good action will entail upon us good effect, bad action, bad, but good and bad are both bondages of the soul. The solution reached in the Gita, uh, regarding this bondage producing nature of work is that we do not attach ourselves to the work. We do, it will, uh, uh, it will not have any binding effect on our soul. We shall try to understand what is meant by this non-attachment to work. So now he will come to this idea that what actually this non-attachment is. So we will read that section and most probably uh, to further elucidate that what Swamiji speaks on that section, 
uh, we will again continue it in the next class. But just to have an idea that what Swami is speaking about it, let us go through that section. And then we, for its explanation, we leave it for the next class to go to the explanation. This is one central idea in Bhagavad Gita. Work incessantly, but be not attached to it. So now he's going to the explanation. Sanskara can be translated very nearly by inherent tendency. Using the smile of a lake for the mind, every ripple, every wave that rises in the mind when it subsides does not die out entirely, but leaves a mark and a future possibility of that wave coming out again. This mark with the possibility of the wave reappearing is what is called sanskara. Every work that we do, every movement of the body, every thought that we think leaves such an impression on the mind stuff. And even when such impressions are not obvious on the surface, they are sufficiently strong to work beneath the surface subconsciously. What we are every moment is determined by the subtotal of these impressions on the mind. What I am just at this moment is the effect of the sum total of all the impressions of my past life. This is really what is meant by character. Each man's character is determined by the sum total of these impressions. If good impressions prevail, the character becomes good. If bad, it becomes bad. If a man continuously hears bad words, thinks bad thoughts, does bad actions, his mind will be full of bad impressions and they will influence his thought and work without his being conscious of the fact. In fact, these bad impressions are always working and the resultant must be evil. And that man will be a bad man. He cannot help it. The sum total of these impressions in him will create the strong motive power for doing bad actions. He will be like a machine in the hands of his impressions and they will force him to do evil. Similarly, if a man thinks good thoughts and does good work, the sum total of these impressions will be good and they in a similar manner will force him to do good even in spite of himself. When a man has done so, much good work and thought so many good thoughts that there is an irresistible tendency him to do good in spite of himself. And even if he wishes to do evil, his mind as the sum total of his tendencies will not allow him to do so. The tendencies will turn, turn him back. He is completely under the influence of the good tendencies. So when such is the case, a man's good character is said to be established. So here the main thing is what it's speaking of in the modern uh, psychological term is neuroplasticity. What you do again and again, most probably at the present, I have to do it willfully. What I do again and again, willfully, that creates a road in my mind, as if a road, a path in your mind. Each and every attempt is not lost. The sanskara is something like creating a road in your mind. And once the road is created in the modern psychology, in the modern language of neurology, they say wiring of your mind. When the mind gets wired by a repeated attempt, now just to traverse that path becomes your liking. It becomes almost like an obsession. 
So if willfully you are doing something evil, the evil becomes your obsession. If willfully at present I practice to do something good again and again, the good becomes my obsession. And obsession is the thing which I can never get rid of. It is something like addiction. So the good person, in spite of all the bad evil influences, is bound to be obsessed by the good. And the evil person, if even, even if he's placed in a good place, is obsessed to act by the uh, these bad tendencies. Uh, today, this, the time is almost over. Just by a beautiful uh, parable of Ramakrishna, we will end this today's class to explain that how that our tendencies make us, force us to act in a particular way, even if the environment is something favorable. The environment doesn't help. Our intentions are more strong. The story goes like that, that a village woman, uh, she was, uh, uh, she used to sell fish. So, so, so after selling the fish, she was returning back to her own village. She was in the marketplace. Now what was remaining after selling the fish was the scales of the fish. You know, you have to clean the fish, the scales has to be removed. So only the scales she had with her, so the fish was all sold. Now when she was returning, what happened, uh, the, because of so suddenly there was rain and thunderstorm, the weather became suddenly bad. Now what to do for shelter, <clears throat> she immediately went to the, her friend's house. Her friend was a florist. She had a beautiful garden. She had a beautiful garden and she was a florist. So she had to take shelter there for the night because she cannot go back because of the bad weather. And now the florist told, that's, that's not a known problem. Tonight you stay here, tomorrow you may return. Now at night, the fisherwoman was not getting sleep at all. The wonderful fragrance of flower was everywhere. Cool breeze was blowing. By that time, the weather has changed. Very nice, pleasant wind was blowing. The fragrance of flower was coming. Anyone was supposed to be relaxed and have a nice sleep, but this fisherwoman was not having sleep. At last, she realized the reason. She brought the basket full of the scales of the fish, kept it near her head and sprinkled water on it. And then she started snoring. So this is the story which will speak of that how our actions forces us to act in a particular way in spite of the environment. So with this, we stop our discussion today. We will continue with our this discussion again in the next class. Namaskar. Thank you, Swamiji. Namaskar. Ha, namaskar. Namaskar. Pranam, Swamiji. Ha, namaskar. Pranam, Swamiji. Ha, namaskar. Thank you, Swamiji. Thank you, Swamiji. Namaskar. Thank you, Swamiji.